0: gardening show on Radio
1: Karam. My name is Brendan. My name is Henry. Um, Yeah, we're the hosts of the gardening show (laughs) on Radio Karam. So yeah, really great to be here. We're excited to be joining you to talk about all things gardening and local food production. So we are two local dads who
0: uh, share a passion for the garden, um, sustainability, growing food and just giving it a go. We also run. We also help run the Downs Community Farm,
1: which is a budding non for profit just adjacent to the Seaford Wetlands. Yeah. Now, our mission, I suppose, is to promote and share the benefits of home gardening in our local community. Uh, we'll be talking about gardening in general, playing a few tunes, so you don't have to listen to us talk for an hour straight, uh, and hopefully grow to engage with our listeners via call ins. Um, or texts with gardening questions, have some guests hopefully as well, um, some interviews and such. But, yeah, I'd like to start with acknowledgement of country, um, just wanting to recognise that we are here on Bunurong, the unceded Bunurong um, land of the Bunurong people, of the Kulin Nations, and we want to pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging and recognise that their land was never ceded. Um always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
0: Thanks very much for that, Henry. Um, as you can tell, we're, we're actually starting off. We're, we're not professional DJs by any stretch <laughs> and we have no radio experience. So this is a first for us. Um, we're, we are re- really excited to be here. If you'll hear it in our voice, there might be a little bit of nerves, but um, it's actually going to be going on to our first point and first topic for today, which is giving it a go. Yeah. Um, so on today's episode, we are going to be discussing um, giving it a go in the garden, so trialing and error, um, permaculture, um, talking about what is permaculture, uh, local community gardens, so what's around our area, and uh, what's also
1: in the garden right now uh, for both of us. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, as Brendan said, it's it's our first time, so as my partner Hannah, hello, uh, said, you know, it's like making pancakes, so the first one's always a bit funky, but still hopefully edible. <laughs> no no pun intended. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll kick it off with a with a song. Um, and we'll join you right after this.
0: Hi everybody, this is Witt from Spider When I'm passing through Caram, aside from slowing down to fifty kilometres an hour, and reminisce about doing the ill race road rumba or the Whatley Street wiggle. I like to tune in to Radio Karen and get down with the good vibes.
1: And we're back. Uh, That was Something in the Garden by The Panics. Uh, Yeah, Brendan, take it away, mate. Excellent. Thank you so much, Henry. Um, So really want to
0: start off by saying giving it a go. Um, Giving it a go in the garden. One of the things that that I and I'm sure many gardeners enjoy is is the feeling of picking something that you've grown yourself and knowing where it's come from, Mm. um, what's gone into the growing process, uh, how long it's taken to grow, even some of the amazement at the flavours and different textures and varieties of produce that you or your friends have grown and shared. um, It really gives me a kick. Um, (laughs) I I, I talk about it to my partner all the time and that I'm just amazed at the – what it tastes like, and, and the sense of satisfaction that it takes to get something out of the garden that Definitely. you've grown yourself. Mm. Um, I love that it doesn't matter how large or small you want to go, um, and you can go and is in depth of your garden knowledge. You can go as deep or as or as little in in some respects um, in your garden education, and you'll always be gaining experience. Um, you can be an expert. You can be a, a beginner and you can still have successes and feel a sense of accomplishment. Um, I really find it's really great to build that relationship with your plants where we kind of work with them and the idea, it's a bit of a permaculture principle, but mm-hmm. you're, setting up this, uh, you're setting up and supporting for them to develop and grow as they're essentially doing their thing and you're just giving that, that environment for them and you're maintaining and nurturing that environment. Um, and then for productive gardeners, we get the, the rewards of fruits and vegetables and herbs and aesthetics and all of those sorts of things Always good. Well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love giving it a go. I, I fully encourage it. And I think it's very much where I started in the garden um, and that's been with trial and error. And I think that I've probably learnt for myself and in, in, in my gardening knowledge the most from just making mistakes, lots and lots of mistakes and trying to take from that and go, okay, well, what can I try next time? What can I do next time
1: to make it work? Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think, I I guess, um, gardening is one of those things where the whole concept of a green thumb I think is a bit a bit silly. I think anyone can learn how to grow, and and it is usually through through trial and error uh, and making a lot of mistakes and killing a lot of plants (laughs) as well. Um, But you know, plants can be pretty cheap, and, Mm -hmm. and seeds are even cheaper, so it's it's pretty low risk. Hmm. in terms of a trial and error type of hobby or passion uh, I guess a quote I always come back to is to plant a garden is to believe in tomorrow I think it's Audrey Hepburn I've written that here in my notes maybe <laughs> maybe it's not um, but as you said Brendan you know you can go big or small shallow or deep sorry I'll keep I'll try and keep the puns to a minimum <laughs> um, and yeah it's a real exercise in patience, um you know especially if you think about things like trees you know you can plant an acorn and um you probably won't see much in your lifetime but you know your grandkids will will have a massive tree that they can you know play around and, and swing off of so i think it's just really yeah it's really beautiful in that sense uh not, not to get all all mushy about it sentimental, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> um but yeah you know as i said yeah gardening Anyone can can develop a green thumb. It can be quite intimidating for beginners. Mm, Um, You know, certainly aspects of it were intimidating for me. But I think, you know, we live in an age where there's a wealth of knowledge available, online, books, people in your community, of course, community garden knowledge. Um, So if you have a willingness to try something and not be afraid to make a mistake, you you can get there. Mm. Give, give it a go or give it a grow, I guess. Oh, sorry, final pun. <laughs> no, no. I reckon we embrace the puns. We we keep it nice and light. That's and, it. Uh, we'll we'll try and we'll try
0: and slide a pun into uh, each one of this st- each one of the shows.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> but I guess a question I don't think I've ever asked you this, Brendan, is how did your gardening journey start? Where did the where did the love come from? Yeah. So.
0: I guess one of the things that I remember when I think back to my childhood and think back to the gardens that inspired me, um, we did have one garden uh, and we were living in Greythorn sort of area um, around and Box Hill, that sort of area. And it was only a rental house, but somebody had uh, manicured and put together this back garden where it was almost that cottage, uh, Lilydale topping, uh, walking path and it was it was pretty. It had heaps of stuff growing mm-hmm. in it, and uh, my mum and mum's partner at the time, when they were going through and, and building it up, they grew all sorts of stuff. I reckon thirty, forty, fifty varieties of things. So wow. um, there was a real passion there. And I remember going through the garden and just exploring. And one of the things that I There was a big passion fruit vine across the back fence, and uh, one of my jobs to try and earn some income was to go and pick (laughs) up all the snails. And I remember picking them up and taking a plastic bag around, and then going to mum and saying, "Wow, two cents a snail or five cents a snail." That's a good chore. That's a a great chore. I'm I'm a fan of that. Absolutely. And then um, there was a really great apple tree and a really great blood plum tree in there as well, which I used to go and try and just pick when they were when they were ripe. Um, so that was like a bit of an introduction that uh, sparked an interest way back when. Um, but then I guess it was actually uh, settling down in, in this area, in the Frankston area, in the Sky area. And um, we, we were fortunate enough to, to um, have some a small, a small block, yep. but it was something that we could actually start to trial and experiment with. And in rental places beforehand, it had only been – a pot on the shelf or something like yeah, that. Of so getting out and saying, you know what, there's nothing that's stopping us now from giving it a go um, and trialling things some, some things out. So I've quickly started to take up as much space as I can in there. <laughs> it kind of goes that way, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, of course, it's a bit of a negotiation, so um, trying to keep things pretty as well as, as functional. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that would be, that'd be the introduction to my gardening story, I would say. Yeah, growing growing from there.
1: Awesome. Well, I guess with me, um, I, it's hard to say. I think one of my earliest memories as a child is when my parents had a community radio show, <laughs> funnily enough, um, sort of an SBS type of um, language program in Spanish. Um, I, I distinctly remember in the car park there was a giant hedge of rosemary and the smell it's a very nostalgic smell for me. Mm. Um, so I've always had something inside of me to do with herbs, uh, in particular things like rosemary. Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess I come from a family with a fair few farmers um, in it, uh, small scale sort of small village farmers, not big monocrop type, type situation by any means. Um, so in that sense, you could say it's maybe in my blood a little bit. There's always been this deep desire to, to cultivate the earth and to, you know, turn something as meaning, not meaningless, but something as tiny as a seed into Mm. into an abundance of food. Uh, But very similar, you know, I traveled around a lot and I rented in a lot of places. Mm. Um, And, you know, you kind of have to balance, I suppose, how much time, effort and money you put into a rental garden. Mm, mm. Or you could see it as, you know, leaving a legacy for the next person, Sure. Uh, but I always did something, you know, whether it was pots on a balcony or when I lived up in the city, uh, up in Northcote, you know, ripping out the entire rental garden with permission, mostly, from the landlord. Uh, you know, because at the end of the day, especially with annual crops, most of your fruit, uh, not fruit, most of your veggies, they go through a one-year life cycle anyway. So, you can you can do a fair bit in, in a year or even in six months. Mm. So... Always had that and I guess, yeah, moving to this area and having more of a permanent space, um, I just said, yeah, I have to start doing this at a much bigger scale. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, ripped everything out of the backyard. Everything is garden beds now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, still working on that. Um, But, yeah, I think that's really where it started is just a, a deep love for the earth and delicious food.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I'm curious. did you did you go into the garden and like start from the start, rip out everything and go full blank slate or was there a little bit that you went, you know what I'm going to do one garden bed here to begin with and then start to expand out and slowly take over?
1: It's been a bit of a process. so the garden when my when my father-in-law sort of came upon the property, was very traditional Australian garden grass, a lemon tree, and a hill's hoist. But that's it, you know, <laughs> bog standard. Probably 90% of, uh, you know, post-war Australian gardens, I guess. And he did a lot of work to make it a really beautiful space, uh, planted lots of natives. Um, I can't for the life of me pull any names out of a hat, but made it a really beautiful space, but not really tailored for food growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really my gardening passion mm. is, is food. Not that there's anything wrong with with growing natives and certainly that's what I'm doing in the front yard, mm. you know, for native habitat, local animals and plants. But yeah, I just thought one day, you know, obviously lockdowns and all of this stuff happening over the past several years and having a daughter uh, 18 months ago, I thought enough is enough. It's time to build resilience. Uh, let's, let's rip everything out. Let's, let's create the ideal backyard permaculture sort of designed garden. And I will get into what permaculture is a little bit later in the show. Um, yeah. So right now, garden beds, quite a few of them. Uh, soon we will have chickens as well, backyard chickens, which is another topic I'm increasingly getting more and more passionate about. Uh, small greenhouse. Again, this is not a very large garden. Mind you, it seems like you're, is, you're, is, you've is, been putting quite a bit in there. Is, it, it will be crammed, yeah. but functional. You know, I think that that's just clever and clever design. Yeah, yeah, which is really what permaculture is about. Good design goes a long way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I mean that's that's pretty much my space. Thank what, you. What's your patch like?
0: Uh, at home, so um, we've got it's a north facing block. So the sunlight very much hits on the front of the of the yard, um, and as a result of that, I've put we had some birch trees along the side of um, of the property and on the inner fence line, and we wound up getting rid of those and putting in a bunch of fruit trees. So great. Um, we've got a fig, we've got a, um, a double plum, so a grafted plum. Oh, beauty! Um, yep. Which was a Angelique and a President, I believe. So the purple skin um, on the Angelique with the greeny, yellowy flesh on the inside, its a, that's a favourite one. Um, we've got some lemons and some other fruit trees along the side there as well and some apricots, which have been, um, that was about five years ago we put them in and that's starting to really get some good crop happening, yeah, which is good. Great. Um, and then some planting beds just out the front as well. Um I tried to take some of the back, but uh, at the moment that that's looking like it's more of a play area for the kids, which which is good. Everybody needs
1: their space. Yeah, definitely. I have I've also crammed in a little grassed play area as well. Nice in amongst my, my small patch. Uh, yeah, grafting is a great one. I'm mm. sure we'll get into that in a in a future episode mm-hmm. and the things that you can do in terms of grafting fruits of the same variety, the same. Family genus, I, mm. I don't know which one it is, but you know plums and stone fruit can all come off of the same trunk. Mm. Citrus can all come off of the same trunk. The palms, the apples, pears, and quinces can all come off of the same trunk um, with a really clever little thing called grafting. It's pretty a, awesome Something that I, I admittedly
0: don't know a huge amount about mm. But I'm really keen in, in some ways this is really It's a bit of a selfish thing Because I'm quite keen to have input from community And have people call in and, and ask questions Because it's Absolutely. a really good opportunity for me to learn more as well That's it um, So, no, that's great That's awesome um, Should we jump into another song? I think so I uh, think so This is a great song Because it is a very reflective of uh, of Melbourne I couldn't agree more.
1: Oi, 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 oi. IGA, it's shopping nights. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. What a great ad. Uh, (laughs) I love that. I'll definitely be going to IGA. Later that, on. That was fantastic. <laughs> and
0: that was Four Seasons in One Day by a Crowded House or Four Seasons in a Day by a Crowded House. Um, great song.
1: Great song. And as you said before, uh, very typical of Melbourne. Yep. yep. Uh, the Melbourne climate. Um, yes, yeah, so I thought we'd go into something that I'm very passionate about. And if you've been into gardening for any amount of time, you've probably come across the term permaculture. It's one of those one of those terms that does get thrown a, about a fair bit uh, and it is a little bit of a Pandora's box. Um, mm. Once you sort of get into it, there's a million different things that come out. Um, but I thought I'd start just in this episode with a little bit of what is it? <laughs> just a, a sort of very basic description of what permaculture is. And in future episodes, um, you know, you mentioned you want to, want to learn more as well Mm, so for sure uh, I hope to be able to maybe pass on a little bit of what I've learned to you um, sort of bit by bit Mm -hmm. um, over the next 12 shows I've I've literally planned it out that much Uh, but just to start off um, well have you heard of permaculture before I'm sure you've probably heard the term
0: yes yeah yeah I like
1: it Um, I have heard of permaculture
0: and I guess when I started to look into it um, and I went really back to basics and kind of joined these two words together of a permanent agriculture. Mm, yep. um, is that – am I on it there or is that where You're it came from? You're pretty on
1: it, yes. It's, it's, it's sort of morphed over time to get bigger than just agriculture mm. is, is really the, the bare bones of it. But um, now it's also seen as permanent culture because mm. it's yep. also about people as much as it is about plants. Yep. Oh, but I'll get into that. It's definitely a bit of a wormhole. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so definitely when I think about permaculture, I think
1: um,
0: I think tapping into things that make sense naturally. Uh, 100%. If, yep. if, if that's a, b- a bit of a way to sum it up in, in my mind, it's it's jumping onto the natural processes and trying to take advantage of the natural processes to your benefit, but also to the benefit, of course, of the garden that you're trying to build.
1: Well, I guess I don't have to go into it anymore. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty bang on, to be honest. Um, you know, uh, I guess, let me give you the... The little description I came up with here. Mm, I'm please, currently please. doing a, a permaculture design course up in series in in Brunswick East, I believe. That's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm envious. Great spot. If you've, I'm guessing you've probably been there.
0: Actually, haven't yet. No, so, oh, um, go. You
1: might it's, have to take me through. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, and it's kind of in the name, design, right? Permaculture design course. It's it's a way of designing. Gardens, sure, but also, you know, you can go pretty deep designing your life, mm. <laughs> really, if if you wanted to go that deep. Um, so essentially, it's a system of agricultural, as you mentioned, and social design principles uh, that prioritise sustainability, uh, community sufficiency. That's a pretty important one, not self-sufficiency. It's more about community sufficiency and ecological harmony and having all those things in balance, I suppose. So at its core, permaculture is really seeking to create a, I guess a mutually beneficial relationship between us humans and nature while doing all of those real sustainability things like minimizing waste and maximizing the resources that we already have. Uh, And I know there's been a bit of hard rubbish around this area recently. Mm. So some people might be out there getting some some great resources (laughs) (laughs) for their homes. Um, so it, often, uh, it, it involves creating, I guess, a diverse and interconnected, uh, ecosystem that's capable of meeting our needs as people. That's just, you know, you and I and our families at the small scale, but at the big scale, our, our wider community and the world, I suppose you could say. Uh, the needs of animals as well and plants, uh, and essentially looking at, one of the ways in which nature organizes itself quite naturally, which is the forest mm. and applying some of those principles in the garden, as opposed to the the increased type of agriculture we've seen since the, well, since the industrial revolution, which mm. is broad monocrop, endless fields of corn or, you know, wheat and, and those sorts of things, which, you know, is one way to feed people. Sure. Um, not necessarily the best way. And that's really what WEMP culture is seeking to, you know, to change people's minds about. Mm. Um, So yeah, some of the techniques, um, you know, things that you've probably heard of before, um, you know, uh, companion planting. So planting different kinds of, um, you know, flowers and fruits and vegetables in, in ways that they kind of mutually are beneficial to each other through sharing resources or, Fighting off pests and those sorts of things. Uh, one of my other favourite topics: composting, of course, and I'm sure we'll, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get deep into into composting at some point as well. Capturing and conserving water, um, which living in Australia, of course, is is becoming increasingly more important, mm. as we know, with things like droughts uh, and natural pest management. So I guess yeah, using nature to to fight nature. <laughs> In a way, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You can apply these principles when you are designing a garden or a space to, yeah, a diff- any number of um, of different types of areas. I suppose from the big scale, large farms and lifestyle blocks, and at the smaller scale, your kitchen windowsill. Mm. You, you can still use these principles.
0: I think. I think what I what I like about those ones that you were mentioning and, and the idea of doing things like composting and, and water cons- conservation and um, pest management and all of those sorts of things, it, it all makes sense. Yeah. It's all very common sense approaches Absolutely. when it comes to the permaculture side of things. Like, um, for example, having a worm farm. Yep. Um, so you've got kitchen scraps. You take your kitchen scraps uh, straight out, throw them straight into the worm farm as long as it's got a bit of uh, other stuffs, maybe some coir and and your actual worms in there, yep. and you generally look after them, um, they're they're going to produce your worm tea. You you're reducing the amount of waste that you're throwing into the bin, so you're not throwing it in. I know that we can definitely put green scraps in the uh, so food scraps in the green bins now, which yep. is awesome, but. Um, having stuff that it doesn't even have to travel off-site. It can stay on site and it can exactly. stay in yeah. your house and or on your little farm and it can turn into stuff that actually helps you and it, it makes it, it just makes sense. It's a bit of a common sense approach I find with often with these permaculture principles and when you do look into them, you're like, oh, of course, yeah.
1: It's a bit like that, isn't it? It's mm. like, oh, yeah, why aren't we doing that or, you know, oh, why haven't I thought of that? I've had a lot of these moments through, through my course. Uh, but that's a, that's a big part of it is, is using resources and in, in the most sustainable way possible. And Mm. it usually means keeping them in your home and not sending them off in a truck Mm. somewhere else, um, if, if possible. And in terms of composting, you can compost if you're in an apartment with a small balcony, Mm. it's still possible. There's all manner of, we'll get into it, but Kashi and all these other interesting ways to to um, to turn your food scraps into rich, dark, valuable compost. Mm, mm. Uh, you know, even for your houseplants, you know, it's totally totally doable. Uh, and, yeah, worms are great too, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get deep down the worm rabbit hole mm, mm. at some point as well. Um, so, yeah, at, that's at its base really what permaculture is about. Uh, in addition, there's another sort of focus, of course, on – Ecological sustainability, Mm -hmm. um, so protecting the planet um, because it is ultimately the planet that feeds us. Mm, True. Um, And the importance of community building and cooperation because, again, a lot of these systems at the biggest scale don't work if there's no people to do the work, Mm. you know. Uh, So it's really about how to bring people together, work together in a way that everyone benefits, shares abundance, attains a yield – and, and uh, has their hard work paid off with great food for them and their families. Yeah, so I could talk about this forever, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably stop it there. <laughs> uh, but in the, in the coming episodes, uh, we'll be digging into the, the 12 guiding principles of permaculture. Um, so uh, just for a bit of history reference, in the 70s, um, two, two fellas, uh, Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, um, sort of co-developed the the concept of permaculture um, in Tasmania, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Molson's uh, not with us anymore. Um, David Holmgren very much is. I actually just visited him and his property on the weekend. Oh wow! Uh, up in uh, I forgot the place. Hepburn okay, in yeah, Hepburn, yeah. Uh, whose place is called Meliadora. Some of you might have heard of it. It's the most amazing. I can't even describe it. The most amazing home and garden. That I've ever seen in mm. my life. Everything is so intricately related, and yeah, just uh, have a look into it if if you get the chance. Um, and yeah, they developed the uh, I guess the permaculture system based on three ethics
0: mm-hmm.
1: of um, people care, earth care, and fair share. Very simple, as you said, they all make, kind of make sense, mm. right? Uh, and all of those are guided by twelve principles. Um, which we'll go into one by one, um, you know, for, for reference, I suppose, the first one is observe and interact. Mm -hmm. So it sort of goes to, you know, how we approach designing a garden, um, and hint, it's not just saying, I want X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to put everything in there. That's not always the way to do it. So,
0: But I want X, Y, and Z. I,
1: want I know, I, I mean. know. <laughs> there's usually, you know, you can usually get maybe, you know, 80% of what you want, I suppose, yeah. uh, if, if you design it well. But, yeah, if you are interested in finding out a bit more, um, there's a couple of books I can recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that was kind of really developed was called Intro to Permaculture, funnily enough by Bill Mollison. Uh, one that's a bit more recent, um, I guess in the last five years maybe, is called Retro Suburbia,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one word. That's really the, the permaculture Bible. If you live in an area like we do in the suburbs, this is the go-to book. It is it is it is a tome, but it is uh, it has everything you could possibly want to know about how to live a more permaculture sort of life. Mm. And one that I've just picked up, I haven't really looked into it too much yet, but just having a quick skim, um, I'm really excited to read it. It's called The Good Life by Hannah Maloney, who if you watch Gardening Australia, you might know, is the uh, pink-haired um, permaculture designer mm-hmm. uh, presenter in Tasmania. Um, and, yeah, her book is, is really amazing as well from, from what I've seen so far. So that's a little bit about permaculture Do you have any initial questions before we go to a, another song?
0: No, no, I think that was a really good uh, yeah. description and <laughs> I, can, I can waffle It <laughs> no, no, was awesome, thank you for that one, Henry
1: Alright, let's take it away Hey, Mr. Spaceman Won't you please take me along I won't do
0: anything wrong Hey, Mr. Spaceman
1: won't you please take me alone For a ride This is Dave Crosby Jim McGlynn And it's very good to be on your show, man <laughs> It's a bit of a abrupt You can tell I'm not a DJ No, you're doing a great job, Henry Thank, I, you. thank I, you I think you're doing a great job, thank you All these buttons and switches in front of me I'm Trying not to not to mess it up <laughs> Um, that,
0: that of course was here comes the sun by the beatles what a classic it is a good song yeah Absolutely. very good
1: as you can as you can probably tell all the songs that we're going to pick uh will have gardening and gardening adjacent themes i suppose yep. <laughs> uh makes it easy um but yeah let's talk let's talk local community gardens uh, cuz you and i both have a, a bit of experience in this area um we're both on the committee of um one of our local community gardens here or community farms, I suppose you could <laughs> call it Downs Community Farm in Seaford on Old Wells Road. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to, I guess, talk a little bit about, I guess, what is a community garden? Cause I, I feel it's one of those things where everyone has probably walked past one before and they can seem a little bit scary uh, in terms of who do I approach? What do I do? How mm-hmm. do I get involved? Um, so yeah, Brendan, wh- what is a community garden? Yeah, absolutely. Give, give us a definition.
0: And I probably even just as we get into this, I was going to say, did you know that we have quite a few community gardens just around this area?
1: I didn't. Um, I didn't. So I'd love to hear about some others yeah. as well.
0: We've so a community garden. I guess it's it's really a place for people to. Go and learn. Um, it's it's a share space, so uh, a place for people to grow food, um, potentially hire a plot where they can grow their own food. Maybe if they don't have a huge backyard or access to lands, that they can come down and, and have somewhere to, to practice and to plant things in. Yep. Um, I think a community garden is very much about learning, um, also building community, making friends, yeah, finding like minded people who share your passions and that sort of thing. Um, I think there's definitely a component to community garden, which is about giving back to community
1: and giving back mm. to the land as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep.
0: Um, one component to it is, uh, is that we get outside a community gardens, generally speaking, you're going to be outside, um, and, uh, they're going to be volunteer based in many instances. They might have a team or a particular contact that. That actually runs it, um, and there may or may not be like a plot higher fee or some sort of a rental fee involved yeah. in a in a local community garden, and that's often just to cover the costs and and those sorts of things. Absolutely, yep. so yeah,
1: yeah. That's,
0: that's what I see as a community garden. Is there anything that you wanted to add on to that at all?
1: I just think they're just it's just a great place. I I don't know. I th- I think we have too many parks and such that are just endless grass, and and I know that's important, mm. you know obviously for sport or places for the dogs to run around or for kids to run around. But uh, I think we have maybe an obsession, uh, in, in this country and in many countries with, with, with turf (laughs) essentially. Um, and turf is great in many reasons, but it doesn't have the same level of community building that I think a community garden does, Mm. which is, you know, people working together, uh, Nerding out, you know, on gardening, uh, the learning component is a big one as well. Mm. I find every community garden has some sort of curmudgeon old uh, contingent there of, of um, you know, old gardeners that do it a certain way. And, mm. and usually there's a huge wealth of knowledge that you can gain from those people. Yeah, yeah. And and a few laughs as well. And it's a really easy way, especially when you move to a new area, to meet some local people. Yep, yeah. That, you know, maybe share share the same interests as you or some of the same interests as you or not. You know, many times community gardens will hold Mm. other events that, you know, cups of tea and, you know, lunches and picnics and all these other adjacent things. It's just a nice place to be, a peaceful place to be. Mm. And have a look next time you go for a walk. I'm sure you will find at least one, Mm. you know, it might be the corner of a little, You know, a small little park or next to a school or something, you you can usually find a few around. But, yeah, I mean, what are the benefits? You know, growing food, learning. Food swaps is a big one, Mm. I think, especially um, ones that have a sort of pay-as-you-feel kind of a system, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important with the cost of living going up. um, Just another source of fresh food for the community, I think is really, really important. Uh, Health benefits are a big one too. Mm. Getting outside is obviously good. Putting your hands in the dirt within reason is also really good for you and for your kids. Uh, Exercise and fresh air and a big one too, you know, with more and more of us moving into apartments or places that have really small courtyards, it's just more land that you can use. Mm. And as you said, for a fee usually in terms of a private plot, it's usually not very big. You know, yeah. it might be thirty dollars a year or twenty dollars a year. Usually in that range, if that. And a lot of them do have communal beds, mm. where you can just come along, help out, no money involved, and you get to share in that produce, which is great. Free food is is great. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah for <laughs> no sure. No matter what. Um, but yeah, tell me. I mean, you, you mentioned there was some others. Besides Downs Community Farm, I'd like to know about them.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so around this area, we've got we've we do have a few. We've got Chelsea Heights, um, just uh, down in Chelsea. Yep. We've got um, there's one in Frankston, which is called Jote or Joy of the Earth. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, Jote for short, um, and that's on Joy Street. That's actually just up the road from the uh, swimming pool. Right. Um, so where Park is, and it's probably two streets up from Park.
1: Oh, I Um, think I might know about that one. Yeah, okay.
0: Um, There's the Pines Patch. Um, There's one called Groundswell Community Garden. There's also the Langwarren Community Garden. Um, And, of course, uh, we're quite familiar with the Downs Community Farm. Um, So there are, you know, that's that's as a... uh, only having a quick look through google but even just jumping online the internet's such a great resource is that you can punch in um community farms around me and it will just pop up little icons and, and images of mm. what things are around and um and doing most of them have got uh, associated websites as well that you can click into find out who how to get in contact with them all of those sorts of things and um, probably just to reflect back as well uh, is that giving it a go side and, yep. and a little bit of that barrier sometimes if the if the farm's got a big fence around it like a big cyclone fence and it's got a lock on it at the front sometimes it is a little bit intimidating to yeah. go through but I can say wholeheartedly that it's it's worth it um, in that you get to uncover so much knowledge um, and passion and uh, and understanding by sharing that space. There's totally. been so many times that I've walked past we're fortunate to to have a little spot at one of these um, at one of these community gardens as well. And I really, really love walking past other plots and, and then being uh, just looking in and saying, oh I wonder what's growing there. Or, yeah. oh, I can see this person's doing a, a green manure or something to revitalise the soil Yeah, or, oh, gosh, those raspberries look awesome um, and then have to try and stop <laughs> my daughter from <laughs> running from, along yeah. and <laughs> the raspberries. But um, – yeah, I just uh, that that giving it a go. I just encourage people to to reach out if it's something that they're interested in and and wanting to explore a little bit further. Definitely give it a go. Um, mm-hmm. and and just knock on the door, or if there's people around, just go, hey, can I have a look? I'm I'm interested. I'm a local. Um, I just want to find out what we're growing and what people are doing here and that sort of
1: stuff. I think it's really fascinating. Absolutely, and I I would I, I think I'm pretty confident in saying the vast majority of people that have community plots. If Mm. you see them working there and you walk up and say hello, they'll be more than happy to help you out. Mm. Uh, It is a bit (laughs) cult-like in that sense, uh, you know, in a good way. (laughs) Um, Gardeners love to meet other gardeners Mm. and and talk about, you know, gardening. So, yeah, get in there, have a chat, meet some new people, find your local community garden. I'm sure there's one within a 10 or 15-minute walk of you most likely if you're in this area just say hello or look up a website and get in touch that way. Um, Community gardens always need more volunteers, Mm. you know, because we do have obviously your own private plot where you can grow your, your little few things, but there's always maintenance work as well. So if that's something that you're interested in to get a little bit more involved, there's always a place for you at a community garden.
0: Yeah. No matter what. And it, and it gives back as well, so it's it's mm. giving back to community. Of course, I think that was one of the things as well um, when settling down into this area, and um, and what I wanted to, how I wanted to expand, and, and how I wanted to become involved in community, and yeah. I found this to be a really a really positive way of doing it. Um, shall we jump into another song?
1: I think so. Let's do it. Um, we'll meet you right after this. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC, and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Caram. Tune in and enjoy. And we're back. What song was that, Brendan?
0: That was Midnight Oil, uh, Earth and Sun and Moon. What a classic. Great song.
1: Absolutely. Great song. So, uh, we're getting to the end of the show now, uh, so we thought... It's a good time to talk about what do we actually have in the garden right now? Mm, what yeah. is in your patch and what are, what's working, what's not working, what are you excited about? Uh, yeah, kick us off.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure thing. Um, so what's in the patch at the moment? What am I growing? We've got... Um, We've got a whole bunch of stuff. Actually, we we started about we did the the uh, about eight weeks ago. I threw in a whole range of little punnets of new things. Mm. Um, so it was a lot of the uh, brassicas, the cauliflowers, the cabbages, the kales, broccolis, um, and also went into with some um, pak choy and wombok, some Chinese cabbage. Yum. Um, we've actually we've still got some chilies, uh, which uh, still have. have I think I'm hoping that they're in a good spot and they'll overwinter, overwinter themselves yeah, um, and, and stay alive. But that, That'll be an experiment. If it works, that's great. If it doesn't, um, n- no harm lost. That's it. Uh, some snow peas um, and also some carrots. Um, so I did a, a, a s- probably about oh, three metres or so um, uh, of just carrots and they're a few different types. There's some white... Um, Belgian white carrots, wow, which were okay. from down near the Briars um, in Mornington. They were selling seeds down there. And some of the purple purple nebula, purple nova, I think, um, which yeah, just, just for something a little bit different, I thought I'd throw some different varieties of carrots in there. Uh, carrots have been a bit of a funny one. Sometimes they've worked historically for me and sometimes they haven't so much.
1: I find them to be very finicky. Mm. But when you pull off a coloured carrot, it's a real like pride moment, You're like look at my multicoloured carrots. That's exactly <laughs> right and
0: uh, fortunately I had a, a reasonable bit of success uh, a couple of years ago, so I'm trying to replicate that now. Yeah. Um, but we sewed them straight into the ground um, there and then uh, we're now at a stage where it's it's time for thinning those ones out, I think, yep. just to make sure it's not too overcrowded. Um. So it was about eight weeks ago that I popped those cauliflowers, cabbages, broccolis and, and the Chinese cabbage in um, and they've actually been responding quite well, uh, especially in recent conditions. Um, they've they've gone past doubling in size and they've probably quadrupled in size since um, getting them into the ground. Wow. And in fact, I would say that the broccolis uh, and the cabbages are now getting to that point where there's just um, – starting to close over in, in the base. So it's shot off all of its – or quite a lot of its leafy um, yeah. stalks and stuff. And then now it's just, just starting to form over and curl over into the middle to produce the, 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 the head. cabbage head yep. um, and the broccoli. So that's that's pretty That – I'm pretty happy with that. I think with the bok choy and, and the pak choy um, – I, I, it's a bit of an illusion that I feel in that I, I, I look at the stuff in the garden and this happens a bit too frequently, but I, I look at it and I think, oh, it's not too big enough. It's not ready for picking yet. Yeah. Um, or I should leave it a little bit longer. Um, and then what can subsequently happen is if we leave it too long and it uh, gets a bit warm or something like that and it decides that it wants to bolt or, or change. So I've really got to... St- Allow myself to get in there early and start to pick things early, and in many ways, with with something like bok choy, so it's not going to get too peppery. Yeah, of course. But in in so many instances, having young eating the foliage whilst it's young is totally fine as well for Um, for
1: most plants. mm, Really, yeah.
0: um, So I think I need to get a little bit better at harvesting earlier. Excuse me with some of those ones. Um, I am also looking just to get right now up a a little lattice and this is specifically for snow peas and sugar snap peas, um, over the winter. And it's kind of one of my favorite things is to walk around and just pick and eat as you go. Oh yes. Um, and especially (laughs) with a few little people around now as well, it's a real adventure. Um, I get to walk outside and, and we'll look over and I'll say, what's this one? And she'll say, oh, it's a pea and, and then pull it off the off the vine and, or sorry, off the plant and I've got to jump in there quickly so that the whole plant doesn't get pulled out of the ground yep. at once and we're just <laughs> taking off the pea itself. Um, but that's definitely a favourite is to just to do a walk and eat. Um, that's That's pretty much what I've got going at the moment. I think probably what didn't work well, Um, I think we we get a lot of cabbage moths um, and so trying to get in there early and I'm not doing any pesticides on it so Mm. it's almost a daily walk around and flick off the little eggs or if you find the actual caterpillar then flicking that one off as well. (laughs) Um, But probably one thing that didn't work too well this year um, was uh, or, or from last year was losing the on the plum tree the buds to birds. They came oh, the birds! Okay. Yeah, so it was just after it had flowered and, and um, it even hadn't – it was just getting into that point of starting to create and set fruit and the birds came through and they just had a field day and I wound up losing quite a lot of the um, the the flower heads and, and those little buds of fruit, which was a bit of a disappointment and it meant that I yeah. just don't think that I netted it quite soon enough. Uh, mm. Sorry, I was – yeah, I was a bit late on, on netting it. I'm netting, yeah. Um, so I think I'll try and take some learnings from that from next year for sure. For this Absolutely. Up. Um, how about you, Henry? What's uh, growing in the garden?
1: Yeah, well, you just touched <laughs> on something first that I'd love to put a little comment out there. If you are a parent and you're, you're having that issue with your kids not wanting to eat vegetables, mm-hmm. grow them mm. and get them involved in the process. Mm. And there's a good chance they'll start eating vegetables. I think it's it's one of those things that I think all gardeners know. Gardeners with kids is the best way to get them to eat uh, any green <laughs> sort of things is to have them involved in the process mm. of uh, actually growing, growing them. Uh, yeah, and look, you know, you're going to lose fruit to birds. No matter, even if you net perfectly, I think mm. there's always going to be a bit of a loss and, Birds have to eat too, I suppose. But, you know, as long as you can save enough for you and yours. I was really looking forward yeah. to that
0: crop of plums. But the apricots
1: did come through okay. So uh, luckily I got in time with that one. This is why you need a diversity in the garden. Yeah. So there's always there's always something. Uh, yeah. What about me? Um, as I mentioned before, I'm currently sort of rebuilding the backyard to be more tailored to growing food. So there's lots of work happening at the moment. It's a little bit of a build site with um, – plants for the chicken coop and for the, you know, the greenhouse. Uh, but the, the beds that I do have, um, where do I start? I've got, yeah, the your winter classics, I suppose. I've got, um, yeah, sugar snap peas, um, broad beans as well. Mm-hmm. I've got some radishes in there, the the ones that look kind of tie dye on the inside. I can never remember the name. You're really good with the names of, <laughs> of varieties. I'm not. Um, but the ones that kind of have red and white stripes on the inside is mm. I guess the best way to describe them um some beets beetroots. they're the golden variety mm-hmm. I think it's just called golden beet so that's an easy one because uh, I quite like those they're a bit I think I've only had them once before but they're a bit sweeter a bit, a bit less earthy than your than your normal beetroot mm. which I also like but I wanted to give those a go uh what else do I have I've got some garlic in as well um good time for garlic now. it is yeah I probably get them in this weekend because mm. I don't think it's going will be a bit late otherwise if you're, mm. if you're a bit later on your garlic uh, so I've got I think not much probably 15 cloves in there so you know if I can get 15 10 or 15 heads of garlic it uh, might be enough for two weeks I don't know I'm Spanish <laughs> <so> <laughs> that's, we use a lot of garlic I'd love to do one of those garlic ones where I've got
0: enough garlic that I can wreath it together and hang it up and just dry it out there.
1: That's the dream. That's the dream. Unfortunately, I'd have to take up my whole garden with garlic just just for that, uh, which is why we have the community patch as well. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I also planted a few trees recently. Um, Not the greatest time to to put citrus in the ground, but uh, a lime and a lemon. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I'm looking to, uh, now that winter's coming on. Um, do a few things. One is a grapevine. So one of my teachers at my course has an amazing, really old generational grapevine that's mm. been passed on through the years and she's gonna give me a cutting and that'll sort of cover the deck. And some fruit trees down the side of the house. So as we've talked before about grafting, I don't have a lot of space, but I think I've got enough space for two trees. One being um, a pom-related tree, so you know a quince tree essentially, with with a pear and an apple coming off of it as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I heard that's a really good combination, and some stone fruit, um, definitely some plums. Mm. Yeah, you know, two, three, four varieties of plums. Um,
0: oh, off the one you're going to do the, the, that's, four the, goal. Off the one?
1: that's the goal. That's the goal, and choose ones. You know, another reason I guess that you 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 graft is to is to extend the the crop. Mm. The crop timing, I suppose, of your plants. So, you know, some early, some mid, and some late season plums. So there's always plums available. Mm. You know, or it's a really for, a good idea, actually. for a big for a big chunk of the year. Because uh, when you have a small space, that's the stuff you got to do. Mm. You know. So that's me. What else? Uh, and one last little thing. You know, I think everyone has a potato or a sweet potato or a garlic clove or something that's sprouted in in the cupboard. For me, it was a sweet potato. I just left it. I left it probably for two months, three months. Yep. I uh, had a big shoot on it. So I thought, you know what? It's probably not the right time. Uh, I'm not even sure if this is how you do it, but I'm just going to shove it in the ground. <laughs> and who knows? At some point I might have a, a crop of sweet potatoes. That's the hope, but we'll see. That's it. It's just experimenting, isn't it? You know, if it fails, well, it was either that or it was going to get thrown in the compost. So mm, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it um, in, for me in my garden. Lovely. Uh, and in, Yeah, in the front yard. Sorry, I will touch on the front yard actually. Uh, that's my native habitat garden. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking uh, to bring as much wildlife and almost encourage the possums to leave my backyard alone and, mm-hmm. and stay in the front yard. So I've planted some grevillea, acacia, billy buttons, bottle brush, a finger lime as well. And just see how that goes. Mm. It'd be nice to have some bush foods as well so I can kind of pick on my way into the house. Mm. You know? Yeah. Love it. Brilliant. That's pretty much me. So, Brendan, what's what's coming up in the next show?
0: Okay. So, we are getting to the end of the show. Um, we really appreciate it. We thank you for joining us. Uh, we've had a great time. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. The
1: nerves have mostly worn off, I feel. They
0: have. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's coming up in the next show? So we we really want to get involved with um, with gardening questions with with the listeners with any. We are by no means listening.
1: experts, by the way. No, no,
0: we will do our best. We'll do our best, and we can do research as well. So True. we'd love to take calls. We'd love to take text messages with any gardening questions. Um, what we would like to do next week as well is uh, sorry, next fortnight is uh, talk about our favourite gardens um, uh, around the place, ones that we've been to before. Um, we'll dive back into the permaculture, um the ethics and the first principles, talking about observing and interacting with the environment and looking and forward we're to that for that. and um, I plan to bring you a, an interesting story about a greenhouse in the snow.
1: I'm wildly interested to to know what. You've given me a small preview, but I won't ask you any more. Yep. I really want to hear about that. Um, yeah, and some some notices, I suppose. So, uh, as you know, we, as we've mentioned, uh, we, we volunteer at Downs Community Farm in Seaford on Old Wells Road, mm-hmm. just near the freeway there. And uh, this Sunday we have a really exciting uh, event happening, a jubilee tree planting. Mm-hmm. So we've received a, a grant, I suppose, to plant, uh, I can't remember exactly how many trees, I think it was 90 trees or something. About 90 trees, yeah. I think it's about 70 natives and, and then a, a range of fruit trees as well at some Correct, stage. Yeah. Uh, so this Sunday, June the 4th, uh, from 11 until 1, come on down. Uh, it's just a good chance to get involved in the farm, meet people that work there. Uh, if you do help us to plant a tree, they're going to be very small little tube stocks, so it yeah. won't be super hard work. Uh, but there will be a free barbecue for volunteers, mm-hmm. um, a plant-based barbecue there. And what we do do at the farm is every single month uh, we have a big dig, which is like a big working bee slash morning tea type thing, uh, usually on the third Saturday of the month. So the one coming up is June the 17th from 10 until 1. Um, so come on down. You don't have to garden if you don't want. You can just have a cuppa and a chat, get a tour of the farm, have a picnic rug, do, do whatever you want, really. Mm. Just come on down, meet meet the gang, um, and, and you get to meet us as well. Absolutely. You might not want to, but, you know, if you do, we'll be there.
0: <laughs> and as well with um, with Seaford Wetlands, it's a really good spot. A lot of people walk, take the family out, ride their bikes ride their around, bikes. around mm. or, you know, throw up a kite or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, it's a really great spot, and we're just adjacent to the Seaford Wetlands
1: on Old Wells Road. Absolutely. Yeah, so you can look us up on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, Downs Community Farm. You can also look up our website, downscommunityfarm.org. I hope that's (laughs) that's that. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Um, And for the next show, if you are interested, um, you know, you can tune in and you can text us any questions that you might have. So it's 0493 213 831. Uh, We'll give the number at the start of the next show as well so people can get in touch. Um, Yeah, or hit us up on Facebook or Instagram and and send through your questions and we'll we'll look to answer them and hopefully give you good advice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But
0: from that front, thank you so much for listening. We're going to sign off now um, and have a great week. Keep growing.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Brendan, and we'll see you all in a couple of weeks.